Hi, welcome back to Speakeasy, the cybersecurity podcast by ESET. I'm your host, Tony Anscombe, and today I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Cameron Camp, one of the ESET security research team. Hi, Cameron, and welcome back to Speakeasy. Maybe you could start by reminding our listeners a little about who you are and what role you play at ESET. Thanks, Tony. It's good to be here. Uh, Yeah, so I'm a security researcher, which specialized in in those topics that you don't normally think about. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today. We are. We're going to talk about NFTs. In the last few weeks, that topic has been very much in the news. Uh, And they seem to continually crop up in the media. Now, we've talked about NFTs on Speakeasy before, and I'm sure you'll agree things have moved on very significantly actually in the last year and a half since these started to, to appear on the on the on the currency exchanges if that's the right term but what drew my attention to it recently was the popular side-eyeing chloe picture that meme of the little girl giving the evil eyes to the parent uh which went viral a few years ago has just recently sold for seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> so camera i mean Firstly, what did somebody actually purchase that I'm still trying to grapple with something that is so viral and so much out there? What did somebody pay $75,000 for? And also all the memes that you thought had no commercial value. Maybe you're sitting on on thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. It's a good question. And basically, uh, there was a cute factor and there is the speculation factor. And People are trying to get their heads around what exactly NFT is in the same way they were trying to get around their head around what is cryptocurrency? Does it, you know, is it worth anything? Is it magic money? Uh, is it worth investing in it? Your question, why is something that basically was taken in the backseat of a car of, you know, cute girls uh, talking about going to Disneyland, why is it worth so much? And that's that's the speculative as- aspect of it that is so you know, tough to get your or wrap your head around. Yes. So what did the company that purchased this for $75,000, what is it that they purchased? Was it, is it a license? Is it physical? You know, do they now own the file that was on the mother's phone? There is actually about four main reasons behind F- NFTs. Because if, if you think about it, and we were talking before the show, I mean, if I buy a picture, well, I have a picture, you know, sitting on the wall. If I buy a Matisse painting, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. I want to hang it on the wall. Why why auction art off as NFTs? Well, there's really four things. First of all, if you block, if you back it up with a blockchain that can tell exactly, I you know, I want to let five people view this Matisse on the web, uh, 40 people on a mobile phone, and, and perhaps three in person. I can set that granularity of who can access that painting and in what fashion. And for how long? Very, very specific, and and that gives us a, a ledger that can tell you. So, so it's a it's a license, but it's a license with fantastic granularity. And so, people that are trying to prove scarcity, in other words, certain people that app access this this piece of artwork, that's one one aspect. And the other is, of course, provable accounting. You can look back and say, I'm going to sell you access to this painting, which 300 people have had viewed, or this song which people you know heard at the live performance and the third thing is provable distribution 
So in other words, if you go and you say, well, I've, I'm, I've minted this song. Tony gets on the guitar. We all know that's a wonderful thing. He plays uh, his next big hit. Uh, how many people actually viewed it? That can turn into what's called the deterministic interaction licensing. It's a, it's, it's, it's called speculative mechanics sometimes. And that's kind of like selling futures. Well, I, I know my song is going to go viral because Tony did it, of course. And so I can speculate and sort of sell future or the confidence levels, what's going to happen with this song. That becomes uh, another way to monetize works of art. Well, and of course, if I played the guitar and uh, somebody would come along and buy that, then actually I think it would be a great opportunity for therapists to contact <laughs> those people and give them therapy because I, I don't think you'd want to be listening to me playing the guitar. But, okay, that's so I like the scarcity and the granularity. So let's come back to uh, side-eyeing Chloe. What, you know, $75,000 is a lot of money. And this is an image that you can't control. It has no granularity because there are so many memes already around the internet and so many copies of this image. What is it that somebody actually purchased? I mean, how are they going to make money from it? Or is it just the fact that they want the shiny trophy on their wall saying, I purchased this? Kind of a combination. So the first person to buy some new speculative thing, whether it's a you know, the stocks when the, when the internet was first around, I mean, what is the value of this? And the markets say they're not selling a product. Why would anybody buy stock in a company that did search engine? I mean, is that, that's not a product. Um, and what they're finding is that there is very, there is a, there's a very distinct difference between something you own and hold that's real estate. That's a pair of shoes. And the entire internet itself, the, the way you interact day to day is with a bunch of digital data where we really don't know any of the backstory. We can't prove any of that. And how then do you really own it? Like a domain name. Do you really own the domain name? Well, not exactly. So it's ways to think about how to put some structure around that. Now, that drew some attention and actually it drew the, you know, NFTs, if you, you know, which we've probably already covered on the, on the podcast, started out with some crazy thing about people making variations on cats because it's the internet, of course, cats. And then they got into determining, well, okay, if I sold you a license through with a backend blockchain with Ethereum, which is a sort of digital contract, then what exactly could you do with it? Could you modify it? Well, that gets into uh, the determine to determine the interaction with the license, you, whether you're going to be forging or crafting or redeeming, or you're going to generate derivative works. And so, and so what, what exactly in an NFT can be a class of things. It can be a thousand baseball cards. That would be one NFT. It's a different way of thinking about how to quote own something that you can't, it is really difficult to imagine owning. How do you own pixels? How do you own software? Well, that's a very good point. And actually, that leads me to the next article that I also saw in that last couple of weeks to do with OpenSea, um, which is the largest digital collectible marketplace. And uh, they had some controversy recently where the CEO had to put out a blog post and say that, there have been insider trading. So I think in the way you've just described 
what an NFT is, primarily it's an investment into something and you're hoping to make money at some stage in the future, or it's that granularity of, of viewing. So let's think about you know, you're, you're making that investment. In this instance, what happened was an internal person at OpenSea had purchased something prior to it being posted. So they were using the knowledge that this was going to be posted to purchase something ahead of it being posted, which, of course, is insider trading if you were on the stock market. So are there regulations around this in the same way if you and I were trading stocks and knew something internal or ahead of the game, we could be prosecuted and, yeah, actually, we could possibly go to prison if the wrong thing, yeah, if we did the wrong thing. Is this regulated in the same way? There's a certain inertia behind it. So if you if you think about back during the domain names, when we first started registering domain names, and there's the guy that you know registers McDonald's and Burger King and and uh, you know, Nike and hopes hopes to sell them later. And uh, did he really own them? Well, you know this is that whole ownership. The quite, but but he thought it's speculation. So people speculate about our works of art that they think might be more valuable later. And right now. It's one part kind of sort of mystery. It's like marketing. Uh, and it's one part, part, this is the future. And the other thing is, hey, if I throw $100 at this thing, you know, just like if I threw $100, you know, five years ago at Bitcoin, not really caring whether I lost or won, um, I can afford to lose $100. And if the speculation bubble drives it up because it's kind of the hot new internet darling, if something goes viral, then suddenly something is, is an outsized value. But it also signals the future uh, in two ways. It, it, sh- it, it gives us a trajectory of what to be expected. Uh, it's like stock analysis, fundamentals versus uh, technicals. It's a mix of that. What is the future pricing? It also gives us some guidelines starting uh, surround, surround guidelines, uh, guidelines around what can reasonably be expected. What, uh, what guardrails do we need to put in place? And to your question, those guardrails aren't in place now, but they certainly will be within the next five years. Yes, because in this instance, I mean, clearly the person was breaching confidential information that the company had about something that was going to be listed and used it for their own financial gain. You know, and I'm no lawyer, uh, but if you were looking at that, that's potential fraud based on your employ, you know, based on using your employment uh, knowledge gained by your during your employment. So I'd like to think actually their employment contract or something they've signed with the company uh, comes into force, whether that's criminal, whether that's civil, who knows? But it's super. It is super interesting. Now, what are NFTs doing on our Speakeasy Security Podcast? Well, they're digital assets, and it's interesting because. Obviously, in this new world, what would happen if you went out and bought one? Now, there was uh, a recent purchase on uh, a very famous artist's website of what somebody believed to be a piece of art from that artist. Now, this artist is called Banksy. And as, uh, as everybody knows from my accent, I'm a Brit. Banksy is a street artist in the UK, uh, and he's works of art are not worth hundreds of thousands, they're worth millions. And he wanders around the UK uh, and he paints them in public places. And when one appears, there's this huge uh, need to validate that it's a Banksy. Uh, Nobody has ever seen Banksy. Uh, Nobody knows what he looks like. So he's completely anonymous. 
or she. Or she, that's a very good point. We all call him he, and I think everybody yeah. calls him he. We all assume it's Banks is uh, is a man. So, but good point. Thank you for correcting me, uh, Cameron. And he, you know, he paints often political, yeah, political or very statemented pieces of street art. Uh, so, I, yeah, with yeah, there's a, a climate conference coming up in Glasgow. It would seem an appropriate thing. He'd probably go and paint something near in Scotland about climate change or something like that. And that's the type of art that he does. And when it, one of these appears, you'll find a local authority uh, will quickly get out there. They will cover it with perspex. You know, people have been known to actually sell their walls, say where one is painted, and somebody will come and cut that piece of the wall out carefully and take it away to a gallery, and they sell for a lot of money. Now. Somebody uh, hacked his website, used a, a, a known vulnerability on Banksy's website, and purchased, well, and sold, uh, claiming to sell the very first work, uh, artwork as an NFT that is Banksy's. And somebody did purchase, unsurprisingly, because there's a lot of very wealthy collectors of artwork that comes from this particular artist. And they spent £244,000, so a quarter of a million pounds, purchasing what they believed was a Banksy NFT. Now, bizarrely, in, in amongst all of this, what happened was uh, it then became clear it was a scam. The person who purchased it managed to start tracing the person who'd hacked the website and actually found uh, their Twitter address or found a Twitter address for them. So we're closing in on them. And all the money other than a £5,000 transaction fee was actually returned to the purchaser. Now, the big controversy around this is, was this all a PR stunt? Warning people about security around buying NFTs and, and actually that you need to validate the source as you would do with a classic painting you know if you went to an auction house you'd want to know that it's authentic you know was it a warning by Banksy to do this and he was also famous for uh, proving this at a, a physical auction he sold a, a work of art um, a little girl with some balloons picture that he painted years ago at an auction uh, and it was in a frame and when the person had finished purchasing it it automatically shredded itself. There yes, was a shredder it built into the frame. So yes, he makes yes. statements about people buying things. Now, interestingly, the shredded artwork, by the way, became more valuable because it was shredded. Can you believe? So there's some irony behind that. But I'm just wondering, one, whether he was raising an issue here of people need to understand what they're buying and whether they're, uh, whether they're authenticating what they're buying correctly. Well, as you know, there's a whole section of uh, worldwide law enforcement dedicated to nothing but art theft. And you think, well, who, you know, who? that's rich people sort of sort of arguing about stuff that maybe seems silly on some level. But then you look at the values behind the art where five and ten million dollars is not unusual and you can buy a used corporate jet for that. So, um, again, that speaks to scarcity, provable scarcity. And if you're going to prove the scarcity in art, art theft and art, art forgeries is, is a huge, huge subject. And there's been 
very reputable galleries in uh, in New York, especially the one that comes to mind where where they were duped for years. Uh, but you know, trying to trying to sell uh, what were authenticated uh, Pollock Pollock paintings and some others. And of course, later they were proved to be fake. So that's really tricky. What NFT does is it start, is it puts a lot more robustness to the uh, to the accounting in ways that in ways in, in ways that we haven't even really explored explored yet. And if somebody's trying to cause a, uh, an up uh, a stir about you know is it fake? That would probably serve to bring more focus onto NFTs, bring more focus onto security. Your original question about security, uh, these contracts are stored, NFTs are stored as digital wallets. Well, we know uh, with e at ESA, where we do a lot of research on uh, theft of, of assets. And one of those the high, high value targets is, is, of course, a digital wallet. There's a story of the guy who, you know, loses millions on cryptocurrency and he, because it's on a hard drive that accidentally, hit, you know, his, his mom threw in the trash and, 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 and now he's digging up the city dump to go get it. Well, so is physical security uh, or digital security an issue? Absolutely. Well, and that's a good, that's a very good question. So, um, you know, what, what is it that you need to do to actually secure if I went out and purchased uh, side eyeing side -eyeing Chloe? <laughs> yeah, and I owned the image, which I yeah. still, yeah, I'm which still not convinced I fully understand exactly what I might have bought. But what should I do? I mean, is this something I put on a USB key and run down to the bank and get a safety deposit box and put it in the safety deposit box for safekeeping? What's the best way of actually keeping that purchase or that investment safe? There is a, a whole secondary industry that has sprung up just to address this issue. And um, in the same way, you know, there's no such thing as perfect security unless, you know, you put it on a USB key, cast it in cement, you know, bury it, go to extent. Um, there, there is still the ability to go down and, you know, run your own Linux uh, application or build your own or something like that to secure it. But in, but in practice, the people that are out spending and prepared to spend uh, 75,000 or, 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 you know, pounds or a quarter million pounds, on uh, a piece of art, they're not going to do that. So there's a whole third-party industry that's popped up just securing the wallets and securing the transactions and, quite frankly, making them seamless. Keep, keep in mind, when digital music came out, sure, you could go download music, and people did that. But it wasn't until somebody put that extra application layer on top of it, making it easy. I can grab my phone. I can click a button. I can download Tony's Greatest Hits. Uh, with one click that's when we had the killer app and so there's a lot of companies looking to looking to see is this robust enough can we forklift over existing technology existing security technology into into securing the nft space is there enough market in and, and there's um there's companies raising fantastic amounts of money in the space and so will it happen well you know the money flows then uh and you can afford some programmers and, and you can put it out there in the public eye. And I think we're seeing that right now. Well, if uh, venture capitalists are throwing their money at it, of course, it must be real. Because <laughs> Of course it is. It must be. So uh, in speakeasy tradition, actually, we should, we should just take a, a side note here and uh, actually talk about our drink of choice because we are speakeasy, of course. And uh, so what's, what's your currently current drink of choice, Cameron? Yeah. 
you know what? It's the morning. If you're if you're a true hacker, you know with the hoodie and everything like that, you gotta have you gotta have your coffee. And I just I don't know. There's somebody somewhere that's got vodka in their coffee. Uh, that's not me. But I got I got it. This stuff is sturdy. So I could cut it. I think I could actually get you know Home Depot and saw off chunks of my coffees. I'm drinking it chunk at a time. That's what I'm doing. And uh, I, Tony, I'm sure you've got something better. Well, actually, you're, you've you've let everybody know this is the morning, so I, I really can't turn around and say I'm drinking alcohol. That would be so yeah, bad. Yeah, early in the morning, yeah. I think yeah. that's... But, <laughs> but my actually, my coffee of choice at this moment in time is Dunkin' Donuts Guatemalan Blend. Ooh. Yeah. So, because uh, and they have it on uh, on offer for a couple of dollars a cup. So it's a it's a nice hey. and easy drink to to have in the no morning. vodka or anything like that. No, no vodka. Just, <laughs> just a very small amount of milk, not cream. Just a small amount of milk in it. Yeah, coffee you can cut. I like it. Yes. So. Let's just come, let's just come back. I mean, where do you think this market's going to go? I mean, do you actually see that this is people are making good investments here? And I mean, will the security get fixed, or is this what is this a fashion that we're likely to see disappear in the same way of uh, of other things? And and just to give you a, a thought of that is, yeah, you know, one of the things I keep looking at is you know you see these images or you see these things that people are buying as NFTs. And I'm just wondering in ten years' time whether you're even going to be able, they're even going to be able to access them. Yeah, I keep thinking of what happened if I bought some great, great game, and it was written on uh, to run on Flash. <laughs> yeah, now I wouldn't be able to play it. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether the actual technology moves on and actually the NFT becomes completely useless. Yeah, like it's like but you buy a car, a modern day car, and then all of a sudden the, the, the your key doesn't fit ten years later. Well, that's a question that uh, some of the speculative markets are trying to answer. I think the answer right now is any any new speculative market is first thing is don't liquidate your four hundred one k to go buy an NFT of Banksy. Um, that, that would represent an, an amazingly uh, uh, dim uh, prospect for return. However, um, the there's people that are going to throw a little bit of money into stocks, a little bit of money into more aggressive stocks or more aggressive securities. And where they're not taking, they're not taking food off the table. They're not taking out of their 401k or the college kids college fund. And so people are looking at that a little bit, but I don't really think there is an investment class, but I really think what is going to, what is going to be in play is those, the integrators. And one of the things, uh, Tony, that I've been noticing is that, you know, uh, the fantasy, fantasy football, crowd, the people who sort of put together, you know, these uh, speculative sports teams are raising fantastic amount of money when you mentioned from the venture capital. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, uh, where is that coming from? Well, that's very, that's very, yeah, that's very true, actually. And uh, one of the things that I've seen trading on as NFTs are uh, trading cards, you know, pictures of the football players or baseball players, etc., which, of course, is a huge pastime for many people of, of trading the physical cards. So if there was one thing that if I was to run out today and turn and say, hey, Cam, I'm going to go out and buy myself an NFT. It's going to be a picture of you, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm going to look after that, and you're, you know, you're going to yeah. get the $10 that I spend on it. <laughs> um, but how should, I, how should what is the one thing that you would turn and say to me, this is how you need to go and secure it. This is how you need to go and keep it. 
First thing I would say is is uh, there's an awful lot of information out right there right now on uh, what is more or less secure wallet services. I don't rec really recommend you doing it yourself. Um, and also, the other second thing I would recommend is start small. If you're going to get into the NFT marketplace right now, it may not be a bad time to do that. Don't take don't take food off your table, but um, start investigating. Just like you know, getting used to. The fact that I buy a song by pushing this button, okay, where is it stored? How do I access it? All those things, you need to learn about those first and the terminology, quite frankly. So if you're going to throw $100, 100, 100 euros into NFTs, okay, be, be sure first that you can afford to lose that. And it gives you time to get comfortable with that. And so, and in the next two or three years, we're going to see a huge proliferation of NFTs but wild valuation swings. And so, and it won't be until until the killer apps really hit the marketplace, like this fantasy football thing, and they're, they're raising so many millions. Uh, it, won't be, it won't be until that matures where the rest of the tool chain will, will mature. Uh, but if you don't know the terms and if you don't know uh, how to secure your, your own wallet and your own transactions through the Ethereum uh, blockchain now, then when the Banksy comes out, and you have a half a million that you've speculative and if you build up your portfolio, you're not going to know what to do. That, that That's a good point. And, and actually, it's, uh, I, I'm just going to add in here some homework for our listeners. Uh, I'm going to suggest that they all go and look up NFT whales, uh, whales as in animal whales. Uh, their pitch, uh, a young man created some images over the summer holidays and sold them for £290,000. Uh, a young budding artist who's still at school. So if you see your kids staring at a screen, <laughs> yeah, don't tell them to get off the computer. <laughs> tell them to create more art and sell the NFTs. Give them 100 that, euro and, and, and let them run. Yeah, that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the college fund right there, isn't it? <laughs> it's not going to be uh, short of a... Short of going to college. So, great. Thanks for coming on as a guest, Cameron, as always. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to welcoming you back to Speakeasy really soon. Sounds good, Tony. Good to catch up. Thanks. <laughs>